In this episode, I talk about the value of the heart-centered equine professional and how important they are for the welfare of horses. I'll also talk about how some have lost their way and how to help bring them back to their hearts. So here we go, episode 148, Pro Horse Pros. Hi, I'm Karen Rolf, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Now you may be surprised at how many horse professionals don't actually seem to love horses or the people they work with. You know, some of them don't seem to, but they actually do. But I think there's some that really seem to not actually enjoy the horse, I guess, in the way that I love a horse. So, I mean, I got into horses because... (laughs) I think I fell out of the womb screaming, I want a horse. I simply love horses. And I guess I assumed that every horse professional got into their job like I did because they couldn't believe they could actually get paid to spend all day with an animal they love so much. And that's what it was like for me. I just simply couldn't not do it. And then I realized, you know, some people don't love the animal. They actually love the thrill or the skill of the particular discipline they ride. Or maybe they just love the feeling of power they get from dominating them. You know, you see this all the time of, you know, some people seem to enjoy if the horse is freaking out just so they can show that they can ride this freaking out horse and stay on or subdue it or, you know, something along those lines. And yeah, it's impressive, I guess, in a way. But I'm just wondering why they feel like they would need to have a horse that freaked out to begin with. And there seem to be lots and lots of examples of professionals that seem to love the competition or the ribbons a bit more than they love the actual horse. Now, I live in this really lovely bubble (laughs) where I can control my environment keeping my horses at home. And I'm surrounded by people like you (laughs) who are interested in something like horse training in harmony. And I attract students and people who really do love their horses and not just their horses, but horses in general, horses as a living being who, yeah, gets scared and feels pain and feels connection and has relationships. But, you know, I'm like you guys, I also peek (laughs) at things out in the, in the other parts of the world. I, can peek at things on the internet. And actually, you know, with the algorithms, I'm sometimes watch something sort of in horror going, I really should see what other people are doing out there. And I watch them. And then, of course, if you watch one, they throw you more of that. 
You want to see, you know, 10 other guys standing around with a freaking out horse that's hobbled and has two lines attached to it while some other guy tries to like jump on it and stay on until the horse gives up. Want to see that? No, (laughs) no, I don't. But I look because I think it's important to not just sit here with my rose-colored glasses on. I mean, they're they're rose-colored not because I don't understand what's out there, but because I've just surrounded myself with lots of rosy-looking things, and I get to talk to people like, like you guys who are listening to this podcast. And this is where it's so powerful to have this community because we all need to stick together, and we need to spread the word, but we need to do it in a compassionate and a helpful way. And we need to not be blind to some other things that are going on. And we need to help each other that are in this community of like-minded who are trying to do the right thing. And, you know, it's subjective. And there's always going to be someone who thinks somebody else isn't doing things quite good enough. But I think we have to, when you see the bigger picture, um, it's easier to just be helpful within your community compared to people who are actually out there, actually not loving their horses, not respecting their horses, and treating their horses like they're um, inanimate objects or crazy things. Anyway, (laughs) I I didn't mean to go quite (laughs) as much into that. Anyway, uh, it's tricky, though, because, you know, it's not a matter of saying, oh, well, I love my horses and you guys over there don't love your horses because, you know, there's lots of people who will say they love their horses and there's people doing kind of horrible things (laughs) to horrible, you know, according to me, um, by people who would say that they love their horses and they would say that they take care of their horses very well. But then it's you know, it's more in the way, in a way that they're protecting their investment, right? Less than, less than taking care of them as a living creature. And maybe they're unaware of some of the other damage they may be causing. I mean, the classic example is just the industry standard of horses go in stalls, right? So, keeping the horse safe. I love my horse. I'm going to keep it safe and I'm going to do everything the way it's supposed to be done. And I'm going to stick it in the stall, uh, 24 seven. And unless I take it out, uh, and maybe not being aware of some of the other damage they may be causing, but that person might really love their horse and would say that they're taking the very, they're trying to at least take the very best care of their horse. Now, some people uh, and professionals, you know, they might quote unquote love doing things with their horses, but they love doing really rotten things to their horses because because it makes them feel powerful. I mean, people who they like gang up and, you know, have a few ropes on a horse that's just completely scared while one guy, you know, tries to dominate it until it stops freaking out. Um, just, yeah, I saw that video, many of those videos recently, you know, they might say that they love horses. They love horses because they love the feeling and the thrill and the adrenaline of riding this wild, you know, 
crazy, scared animal. They might say that they love doing that the way someone loves, you know, jumping off a cliff <laughs> with a squirrel suit on, right? You know, or who knows why people do what they do. Maybe they just don't see horses that way or they like the feeling of control and maybe that makes up for lack of control they may feel in some other places in their lives or in their past. Maybe they don't see horses as beings that feel pain and maybe they just stopped caring. Maybe they used to care and then they stopped or they learned how to not care by who they hung around. I mean, sometimes if you're a horse professional, it's just easier to sell the wrong horse to the wrong person for way too much money and walk off with that commission. You know, even though they knew the horse would be miserable and the, the rider would be unsafe. So maybe they knew that, but they just stopped caring at some point. You know, maybe it's easier. They love this horse. They invested a lot in the horse, but they love the competition just a little more than the horse. And it's just easier to mask an injury or squeeze one more race or one more competition out of the horse and save that investment, get your money's worth out of it, than to admit that they're going to lose their investment of time and money. Horses are a terrible investment (laughs) for most people. That's why I advise so many people, if you're going to buy a horse, buy an immediate gratification horse. Buy a horse that you can enjoy you in whatever that means to you that you can enjoy it right now <laughs> right because you're you're paying for the enjoyment of the process but when you're a professional it gets a little blurrier it gets a little harder some professionals will think it's easier to have job security by advising their students to buy horses that they can't ride so that they have to stay in training And I know some of you are probably thinking that's ridiculous and other of you are shaking your heads going, oh my gosh, I think that's what happened to me. I just want a horse to ride, but my trainer keeps advising me to buy these fancy horses, expensive horses that I can't ride. So they stay in perpetual training and I never feel good enough to ride them. If you don't really love the animal, then it only comes down to things like time and money. And all decisions are made from that perspective. The longer you wait, the more you have to pay to feed the horse. So let's shorten the time and and decrease the money that we have to spend and increase the chance that maybe we'll get it back quicker if we win something. So I know this is really depressing. Sorry to be such a downer, you guys. I kind of jumped right into this today in this episode. But, you know, we have to think about this. And it's on my mind a lot because, you know, the question for many of us is what do we do about this, right? Do we turn a blind eye? We, you know, we can we drop everything and go save every horse? You know, we start thinking about all the things that need to be done in the world. You know, we have to make some choices about what we're doing and what are our, each of our small part and small role in this situation is. But here's, here's one sad thing in this industry is that being, I'll put in air quotes, professional does not 
necessarily mean you are a model of good horse care. Sometimes it's actually the amateurs that do better by horses because they have often more time and less pressure for results. And they are doing it because they want to enjoy it. Most amateurs get into horses because they want to enjoy it. And then they, some of them, unfortunately, like I come from the dressage world, they actually learn to not enjoy it because they model the professionals. <laughs> and they learn to do things that, that go against their heart because they're watching the professionals. So this is a message to the amateurs to be very particular about who you pick as a professional to help you. And I know I've talked about this a lot before about knowing your own principles and priorities so that you can um, also learn about your trainer's principles and priorities or your instructor or whoever it is that you're hiring. Now, since about 2017, I've been mentoring other professionals in the horse business. And I'm really particular about who I'm helping. So when I help professionals in the horse business, I market my program to heart-centered horse professionals. Because I realize that like that's who the horses really need. The industry really needs more heart-centered horse professionals because they are the models. And so in being in this business, you know, you see the big, the big trainers or the successful trainers. And, you know, there's some really good ones out there. But they're also, we all know, there are some not that stellar ones, and they're winning the things. And then you hear the backstories, and you hear, you know, experiences from people and the and about the decisions and and for one horse that makes it all the other ones who don't and who weren't treated very well so i see the the you know in my community i see a lot of people who are professionals and they're wonderful and they're beautiful uh, people and they do love their horses and they love their students and they're doing their best but they're having more trouble because those heart-centered ones are often the ones who are the most humble and the most um, compassionate and giving away their time and doing more and more and becoming exhausted and it's not sustainable. And they're having to quit and get a day job um, because they just can't, it's not sustainable or profitable. So I help the heart-centered professionals create fulfilling and sustainable and profitable lives that they can love in the horse business because when the heart-centered horse professionals thrive, the world is better for horses. And from transforming my own life in the horse business, because, you know, I don't know, listeners, you may have heard me talk about this before, but there was a time when I was ready to quit horses. I mean, I had been a dressage trainer and in the business, that's all I've ever really done. And I got to a point, I'm just like, this, it's just, what am I doing? (laughs) What am I doing? And, you know, I've always prided myself in trying to be, you know, a nice, a nice trainer, but there's just something about it that wasn't resonating with me. It just didn't feel my heart wasn't in it anymore until I changed. And so the things that I 
learned about my own business and then the things that I really help the heart-centered horse professionals do is to help them own their unique value, right? So there's something special about everybody. There's something special about everybody. I mean, this goes for professionals and amateurs alike. To stop trying to be a cookie cutter of somebody else that you see, right? Own your unique value. What's the thing that you are bringing to the relationship, right? And so this is true for professionals in exactly your perspective based on your whole life. And how do you bring that into your business and overcome imposter syndrome, always feeling like you're not good enough? Because the most caring, the most caring professionals suffer from imposter syndrome the most, and then they don't put themselves out there. (laughs) So the most compassionate and caring horse professionals have the hardest time saying, hey, look at me, (laughs) I'm really good at this. And, and this is true for, for the amateurs too. I mean, that's something integral to my dressage naturally methods is that, you know, there you, you, there you are with your horse and your horse is looking for you going, Hey, what are you saying? I want to understand you. And, and if you, if you as a human doubt yourself and you're thinking, well, I want to say this, but I'm not sure if it's right. The horse is just looking at you going, I don't understand. I don't understand what that means. I don't understand what I want to say this, but I'm not sure if it's right. Just tell me. Right. So I'm, that's why the dressage naturally program, everything is really um, empowering. It's based on helping students overcome their imposter syndrome. Anyway, there's so many amazing horse professionals that are trying to be, you know, a jumper coach or I'm a kid's coach, or I'm a dressage trainer. And then when I get to know them, and I find out all their other perspectives and life experience and training, I'm thinking, well, you have to, you have to bring that in too. You have to tell people that you can't compartmentalize yourself and say, well, I learned body work, so I'm going to do body work, and I'm not going to tell anybody about all this other, you know, Zen master training I've had and all this other, you know, my degree in biology and, you know, or whatever it is that might seem, those weren't good examples, but that might seem unrelated, but they actually are related because it's all a filter of how you see the world. So owning, helping people own their unique value and empowering them to overcome imposter syndrome is integral. Otherwise, it's just you go down the road, look, dressage trainer, dressage trainer, dressage trainer, dressage trainer. And it's like hit or miss if you get one that you actually enjoy. But you got to like really know who you are and really know what's in your heart and let that part come out. So that's a big part of how I help people. And, and when we do that, we come, we become more fully ourselves and happier And so this one piece of helping professionals can be a big part of helping them remember why they love horses instead of just doing dressage. No, why do you love horses? What's your unique value? What's your unique perspective? What's you speaking from your heart? What do you see? So it's it's, um, much more than just a marketing speech kind of thing, right? 
Now, the other thing that I really help people with, so the number one, number, there's three things, all kind of equal, owning your value. The second one is healthy boundaries around time. So scheduling and professionals, you need to schedule your week around your needs. And I know the students listening are going, wait, wait, no, but I need to have my lesson on Tuesday. <laughs> Don't tell my instructor to change that. Well, here's the thing. You, you, we want the instructors, the good ones, to be able to last a long time and have a schedule that works for them. And most of the instructors that I know, especially the heart-centered, super compassionate ones, tend to work their entire schedule around everybody else's perfect lesson schedule and perfect weeks. And then they squeeze their own life around that, which is lovely and giving. And I'm sure all of the clients love that about you. But where are you? I've worked with people who their first goal is just to have lunch. (laughs) Like they don't have a lunch break. So, you know, I just want lunch. I want one hour a week or something. So healthy boundaries around time. If you can master this and it's not easy, it's not easy. But when you can do that, you're, you're going to be refreshed. You're going to get rest when you need rest. You're going to get food when you need food. You're going to be doing your best work at the time where you do that best work. Some of us like to ride first and teach later. Others of us like to teach first and ride later or whatever it is for you, but know at what time of the day is the best time for different things that you do. And it has to work for the person delivering it, or it's going to be exhausting. It's not sustainable. And so the other piece, so owning your unique value, healthy boundaries around time. And the other piece is the leverage piece which is increasing your income in less time, delivering greater value in a more efficient way. And I know students out there, you're going, oh no, she's going to tell my trainer to do group lessons and I love my private lesson. (laughs) Don't worry. Like you can, everybody can do, you know, what little bits of everything. So, you know, if you have a horse trainer and you've got to ride the horse, it's one-on-one, you can't ride more than one horse at a time. That's okay. There's still other parts of your day that can be leveraged. So leverage can be getting help where you need to get help or what things can you deliver to more than one person at a time. It's just about being smarter and not just getting committed to the factory training model because the factory training model where you just go down the line, you count the hours in the day and you count how many students you have and you just pack them in and then there it is. If you don't work an hour, you don't make as much money and that can be exhausting. It can be mind numbing, (laughs) right? So physically and mentally, that kind of consistent schedule can be really draining over time. And young people, young trainers, I know you're probably like, no, this is awesome. I got a waiting list of horses. Yeah, I know. I did that too. It's great when you can. But to look forward to the future, you're going to have to be a little more clever. And here's the thing. It's about delivering more value. So the way I teach it, it's about how can you deliver even more value in more efficient ways. 
So it's a win, it's a win, it's a win for everybody. So those are the three main categories. And of course, just the support and keeping the passion up around this. And I find that when professionals get help with those three things and the other things that I teach, there's this weight lifted off. There's there's time to think. There's time to breathe. There's time for them to ride their own horses and get some of the passion back. They're not at their worst self. They're at their best self. And that helps the horses and it helps the students. And it, now it's a positive role model. We don't need more cranky horse trainers because students are emulating that. <laughs> So I actively market what I do to people who will self-identify as heart-centered horse professionals because that's who the horses need. And because I don't want to help people with the business models that use horses as commodities in order just to make money off them. So I don't advertise it as like get rich quick off of selling the wrong horse to the wrong person. But who I want to reach are the people who at least did start with a love for the horse. So as as I've sort of said before, there's different categories of professionals, and I'm just going to list a few, and it's not going to be a complete picture. But it seems to me there are professionals that really don't care about horses. They never really have, and they never really will. They're in it for the money. It's just a skill that they figured they could do. And they treat the horse like a commodity only. These are the ones that maybe are soaring horses. You know, you think of some of some of the big lick stuff. They're using electric spurs. They're killing horses for insurance money, and it doesn't bother them one bit. I mean, I'm a pretty optimistic person in general, but I'm not sure these kinds can be changed without a very dramatic event happening within themselves. However they could be put out of business. They might not walk away from the business, but we, the customers, can put them out of business. And I hope that this podcast and everything I do just opens some eyes so when a client, a student, sees one of those types, they just hesitate long enough to go, wait a minute, that's not right. We can use our voice to call it out when we see it, to report it when it's obvious and extreme enough. And we we all need to know, we all need to make sure that students know that there are other options. And remember, help the people, because sometimes these trainers have students, and the students probably do love their horses, and they probably are trying to do the right thing, and they're just going to someone who's called a professional who's won some classes or gotten some results and they, they've forgotten why they got into horses in the first place. And with those people, we need to be really gentle and we need to be helpful, clear, (laughs) but helpful. So then there's another type of professional who maybe used to be in love with horses, but you know, that's how it started, but they went down a wrong road. They're surrounded by poor role models. So maybe 
you know, they love horses. And like I just the example I gave, they saw someone who's winning all the classes and they go to them and that person uses electric spurs and, and then they still win. And, you know, and they're like, okay, the, the methods are dominant and harsh, but they look around and everybody else is kind of okay with it. So they're kind of like, oh, that must be normal. Okay, well, I do want to win and I do love horses. So, I, you know, and they just sort of flip over into this, okay, I'm going to treat the horse like a commodity, but I still love them, but I kind of forgot what was at the heart of it. And they think that in order to be successful, the horses always just need to work harder. Like that's the answer to everything. The horses just need to work harder. And for this person to change, unfortunately, it may take a tragedy for them to see things differently. A horse will get hurt just a little over someone's threshold, and then they'll go, oh, wait a minute, (laughs) which is sad. So when a professional like this, you know, that started out loving horses, went down a wrong road, thought they were doing what was supposed to be done. When a, when a professional like, like that becomes part of a more collaborative community and they learn how to measure success differently and they learn to prioritize giving value instead of getting ribbons. So remember I said before, own your unique value. What's the value that you're bringing to the moment instead of the ribbon you're winning at a show? And when, you, when people like this can start practicing some self-care, even if the self-care is just is saying, hey, you know, schedule a lunch break, or hey, you know, if, if, you know, after three o'clock, you know, you're not as good riding, don't schedule any training horses after three o'clock. Like that's the first step in self-care. And experiencing that, experiencing a community, collaborative community, experiencing um, the act of giving value, different prioritization, and just baby steps of self-care can be absolutely transformative to this kind of a professional. And so that's the environment I create in my For the Love of the Horse Transform Your Business program. Now there's also professionals that really love horses. That's why they got into them. And then they, quote unquote, became professional, meaning they had to turn off some of their compassion and emotional connection to the horse. So things really aren't bad. It's not like the one above with the electric spurs. So things aren't too bad. And they're doing things very correctly, according to old industry standards. You know, so they're they're doing things the quote unquote right way. And they're doing a good job. They're caring for their horses. But like I said, they've turned, in order to be professional, they've, they've lost a little of the emotional connection to their horse. They've had to turn that part off. And maybe they're not noticing and staying up to date on things that happen when you have a one-to-one business model exclusively and you have old industry standards. Like, so if you have a one-to-one model on an old industry standard, you only way to make more money is have more individual students. And the only way to have more horses and students is to pack as many horses and students as you can into the day and into the space. 
So it becomes like a, a factory training model. So they're, they're lost, but they might not know that they're lost. They might not know there's another way. But hopefully at some point, they'll meet someone or they'll have a special needs horse, right? Or some little thing will happen and they will be reminded of what's in their heart. The way that happened to me with my horse Vivaldi. I had already always had my horses at home and was very much a kid in love with my horse. And then when I became, there was a block of time where I had become a professional and I actually did not own a horse of my own. So I was just a trainer and I became a little emotionally disconnected because they're not my horses, right? You have, they have to remember they're not my horses. And I, that was the only thing that I had. And then somebody willed me a horse, my horse Vivaldi, otherwise known as Bubba. And I started making an emotional connection and he was special needs. So I had to do some things different for him because of his soundness issues. And that's what turned me around, right? So it, I, I was lost. I didn't even know I was lost until the special horse comes along and I had my own horse again and I built the relationship. And then I was like, oh. I was reminded, I was reminded of how I wanted to do horses. So when a professional like this becomes part of a more collaborative community and they learn how to measure success differently and they learn how to leverage and give value differently and have more options than just the one-on-one factory training model. And when they start practicing self-care like I said, around the scheduling, around thinking about what's best for you, it can be absolutely transformative. It opens up more breathing room and more possibilities. And that's what I help people with in my For the Love of the Horse Transforming Business program. That story is my story. I was a perfectly successful dressage trainer thinking I was doing everything right until something, a little thing shifted with a special horse. And I started doing everything differently. And I started caring for myself and my business differently. And I think the horses have benefited from that. All right. So there's another kind of professional. Those who really are in love with horses, they really do care about their horses. They are Um, the modern, caring, heart-centered horse professional, but they are exhausted. They are barely making ends meet or not making ends meet, and they are not operating at their best, right? So they they are the real deal, but they are cranky. (laughs) They are impatient. They are maybe not healthy, They don't have the time or money for their own horses or life. They know it stinks, but they look around and they go, well, all the other professionals I know are also exhausted and cranky, right? So even though they're really trying to do the right thing, they're really doing things right by their horse, they're not doing things right by themselves. But again, they look around. It's what every other professional is experiencing. So although they might complain a bit, they keep going not knowing that there are other options. It's just the nature of the business. It's just what it's like to be a horse trainer. And they're slowly dying on the inside, but they think it's just the price that they have to pay for doing what they love. 
Maybe someone even said to them, well, if you really love what you do, you do it for free. And you know what? They do. (laughs) And they're exhausted and they're broke. And because they feel things so deeply, they might become disillusioned and they might quit horses because they know deep down they're not doing horses well because they're not at their best. They're really trying, but they know they're not at their best. And when a professional like this becomes part of a more collaborative and heart-centered community, and they learn how to own their time and their schedule, and they learn how to bring out everything that's inside of them, their unique ways of giving value, and they can do it in leveraged ways and serve many, many people in shorter amounts of time and begin practicing self-care by giving themselves time to rest and time to have the relationship with horses that they really, really do want to have. It can be absolutely transformative because it brings back the joy and the passion. Closely related to who I just described, there are the professionals that really do love and care about horses and they just give and give and give and give and give and their clients really love them. And they find their work very satisfying, but exhausting. And they undercharge, but they've not raised their prices in a decade. They've made friends with all their clients because they give so much time. They can only teach a few people because they don't watch the clients. They can't make ends meet, but they feel guilty raising their prices or even thinking about saying no to someone. And their hearts are slowly breaking because they don't have time for their own horses and they're not taking care of themselves. And just like some of these others, they become disillusioned and they quit. Or they just keep going and teach a couple people here and there because that's all they have really time for. And the people who could really benefit from them never find them. All right, so again, this is really depressing, isn't it, guys? I'm so sorry. (laughs) I think my podcasts are usually a little bit more uplifting, but this is a story of hope. It really is. But I've, I've left out one other kind of professional and some of you are like, hey, I don't sound like any of these. And you know, there's some, some of you out there that are just, you love horses, you've got it worked out, you know, and things are great. You've got just the schedule you want. You've got the income that you need. You've got time for your own horses. It's all going really well and you've done it for years. So I applaud you. (laughs) That is so awesome. I'm so glad you're finding that because there's also this other type of professional that I didn't um, mention that needs help. And that's the one that totally loves horses, taking amazing care of them. They have endless energy. They work 14 hour days and they're happy. They have multiple, multiple horses in training and they actually ride each one of them plus a full schedule of students. You go to all the shows, you do well, you're totally fine, totally energized. Yeah, I can remember those those days. <laughs> those are the younger ones. And if you're not one of the younger ones and you're doing that, I applaud you. Where do you get your energy? <laughs> So if, if what I just described is you, you go because, you know, if you're young and can do that and uh, you're happy, keep going. Everybody's version is different of what's happy. But 
remember to look ahead and just, you know, kind of every now and then just ask yourself, what's five years out? Because life changes and at some point it's not going to be sustainable and you want to start thinking ahead about what are you going to do when you can't keep up a kind of schedule like that. Anyway, (laughs) I'm sure there's, you know, there's lots of different other types of instructors, but thinking about, you know, who needs help. I mean, that's really what I'm thinking about is who need, who needs help. The sad reality is that too often the successful professionals are the ones who sell the wrong horse to the wrong person, who sell their own students the wrong horses and make them feel like they're never good enough as some form of job security so they have to stay in training, and who use the horse like a commodity, push them past their limits and throw them away when they're done. While meanwhile, the most heart-centered, giving, compassionate, caring professionals who have their clients and horses' best interests in mind are too humble to put themselves out there. They suffer imposter syndrome and think no one will train with them because they take their time with the horses and they don't rush for fast results. They're exhausted and undervaluing themselves. The joy is fading. They're disillusioned. And... Many of them are quietly quitting the horse industry. But then who will be left to stand up for the horses? Who will be the role models? Hey, Karen Rolf here, and I want to talk to the heart-centered horse professionals out there. The horse world needs you, and I'd like to help you thrive. The Transform Your Business Action and Support Group is an amazing opportunity to be in a supportive community of people who really get the horse business and really want to help you succeed. And most of all, we all prioritize the well-being of horses and want to break free of business models that use horses as commodities and value exhaustion over self-care. You really can have a successful business and still run your life on your terms. This program combines the best features of other programs I've done at the most affordable price ever, with the main goal being that it'll pay you back many times over. Now, chances are you already know some changes that you want to make or that you need to make, but you keep hesitating. And I get it. It's scary to make changes. Most of the people that I meet need help with this sort of thing. Now, as soon as you start the program, you'll get access to training on creating a new vision, attracting ideal clients, managing your time, how to add leveraged offerings, pricing, packaging, and so much more. Then we do a live call every month where you can discuss your particular challenges. And every quarter, we do a deeper dive on important topics, and that's with me or guest experts. Plus, there's private coaching options that simply aren't available outside this program. Now, you can stay as long or as short as you like. Check it out by enrolling with a monthly plan. And then if you love it, and I think you will, you can save by switching to a yearly plan at any time. And of course, if you really want to set yourself up for success, you can save the most by starting with a discounted yearly plan. You know, I've seen the changes that professionals like you can make with this program. You really can increase your income while delivering more value to your students and end up with more time off. You can own your unique genius and have the courage to stand in the power of what you offer. And we'll help you do it. 
It's so much more than information. It's your new home base of support to dream big, get help, and thrive in this horse business in an amazing curated community. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash T-Y-B, as in transform your business, and I really hope to see you soon. To take care of horses in the horse industry, professionals need to be in love with horses, and they need to create sustainable business models and practice self-care so they can be and stay at their best. To give the most value, you have to learn to sometimes say no. And in order to speak for the horse, you have to stand up for yourself first and what you do. In order to change the industry for the better, you have to stop measuring yourself and what you do by what has always been. So here's my picture of an ideal horse professional. They love horses and have horse welfare as a top priority. They have healthy boundaries around time, so they arrive refreshed to everything they do. They know their unique value and so love the clients and horses that they work with. They've learned how to leverage their time so they're able to serve many people, make enough income, yet still have time in the day for their life and their own horses. Because of this, they still have the passion for horses that they felt when they first got into horses. And because of this, they make decisions from a place of calmness and abundance instead of from tension, insecurity, and scarcity. They are models of patience with, with and care of horses. Their business model is set up so the horse is not a commodity. Instead, horse welfare is the highest measure of success. So if you're a professional, know that this is possible. If you're a student, look for these qualities in a trainer or instructor and help your favorite professional if they're trying to make positive changes to their business so that they can sustain it and have joy in it. And now what can we all do right now? We can all ask ourselves this question. Why did we get into horses in the first place? And then compare that to what you're doing and feeling and experiencing right now. If you're a horse professional, ask yourself, why did you get into horses? Chances are there was a feeling you experienced. Are you experiencing that now? And why did you decide to be a horse professional? Do you still have that as your reason to continue to be a professional? Are you experiencing that now? If you're a student, ask professionals those questions. Hey, what made you get you know, into horses in the first place? Or what made you first get into horses? You'll learn a lot by how they answer that question. I think it'd be interesting some may not have thought about that in a long, long time. Now, you might, might find out the ones who really don't care about horses and never had and run from them. Or maybe if you're asking one of the professionals who really do love horses, but they went down that wrong road and they surrounded themselves with poor role models, and it, it'll remind them. You'll ask that person, hey, why'd you get into horses in the first place? 
and they might stumble and they might just say some sort of answer that they've said a million times, but you know, they hadn't thought about it in a while. You're going to put a little, little brain worm in their head. And maybe that little brain worm of reminding them why they love horses so much. Maybe that little thing in their mind will then create a contrast moment between what they said they felt as a little boy or girl in love with horses and the techniques that they're about to use right now. And maybe that alone will be a spark for a positive change. You can also ask them, hey, what made you decide to be a professional? Some of them may not have ever thought about that. It just kind of did it, you know? (laughs) And if they're struggling, if they're saying things that are telling you that they're exhausted or they're just, you know, a cranky horse trainer and they, you know, don't have enough hours in the day or things like that, like let them know that there is help out there. You know, hey, did you hear about this thing Karen does? (laughs) You know, it's so easy to just keep going and doing the same old things that we've always done, slowly marching towards a destination we didn't actually pick and getting there in a way that we don't really want to be doing. To make the world a happier place for horses, we all have a role to play and we all have to be our best. The best at being our best selves the best at caring for horses, and if you're a professional, the best at creating a fulfilling, sustainable, and profitable life that you and your horses and students can love. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse move in harmony and enjoy the process.